today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Give us ears to hear your truth, and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw close to you. May we thirst for the water that your love brings us. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. From what Jesus is telling him, we understand that the time of harvest was at hand, and That's great news, that's encouragement. That means that I'm gonna send you out and there is a harvest to be had. It's not going to be just an exercise of futility. No, there is a harvest to be had. And what does he mean by this harvest? I mean, they lived in an agrarian society. We understand that was, were they walking along the road and Jesus happened to look over in the field and here's this wheat, it's all ready to be plucked. He says, hey guys, it's time for the harvest. Is, Is that what he's talking about? Is he talking about a bowl of cereal or a loaf of bread? No, I don't think he's interested in that. He's talking about the harvest of souls. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus said, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. In today's message, Pastor David unpacks these powerful words. We will learn that the Lord was not speaking of a physical harvest, but he was alluding to a great spiritual harvest of souls. Christ knew that there would be many people ready to receive salvation. However, Jesus also understood that as he was sending out his disciples, there were only a few ready and willing to participate in gathering this spiritual harvest. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message entitled, Encouragement, Warning, and Instruction. Warren Wiersbe is a great Bible teacher. He's a great Bible commentator. But as I've shared with you multiple times about commentators, they're not special taters. They're just commentators, okay? But uh, many times they come up with some uh, really good stuff. And I like what Warren Wiersbe says about chapter 10 of the Gospel of Luke. He says that there are three scenes in Luke 10 that illustrate the threefold ministry of every Christian believer. And they answer the question, what in the world does a Christian do? He says, to begin with, we are the Lord's ambassadors. We are sent to represent him to this world. And we see that in Luke uh, chapter 10, verses 1 through 24. He also says that we are neighbors. We look for opportunities to show mercy in the name of Christ. And we see that in verses 25 through 37. But he says, but at the very heart of our ministry is devotion to Christ. And so we must be worshipers who take the time to listen to his word and to commune with him. And we see that in verses 38 through 42. He says, whether we are in the harvest field or on the highway or in the home, our highest privilege and our highest joy is to do the will of God. Today, we're going to be looking at the first portion of 
the chapter 10 and verses 1 through 24. It's a, it's a portion that takes up a little bit more than half of the whole chapter. We're looking at that section that uh, Warren Wiersbe says, we are the Lord's ambassadors. And here we read about the Lord sending out 70 ambassadors with words of encouragement, words of warning, and words of instruction. So if you're in chapter 10, we invite you to look with us as we look at this this morning. In chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, we read these words. After these things, the Lord appointed 70 others, and he sent them two by two before his face into every city and place where he himself was about to go. One of the first things that we see in this passage as we continue on here, we're going to see that there's some similar events that are going on here as we found in chapter 9, the beginning of it, as he sent the 12 apostles out. He sent the 12 apostles out two by two. Now he's going to be sending 70. Your version might say 72. Different manuscripts say either 70 or 72. There's enough evidence on both sides to where it's not really much of an argument. If it's 70 in your version, then you agree with me. If it's 72, then you'd need to get a new Bible. But anyway, no, I'm just, just kidding. It's not a big factor in this. What we do know that these are sent out, they're not the apostles. He says very clearly, he sent out 70 others. And these are sent out, uh, though they're not called apostles, the very word sent out, apostolos, is what we get our word apostles from. But they were sent out with a commission to represent the Lord. And Jesus emphasized that, this, that the disciples here, as they go out, they were to be his personal representatives to those cities where he was going to go. And as representatives of, of the Lord Jesus, they're also representatives of God the Father. Another difference that we see between chapter 9 and the 12 that were sent out is that, again, the 12 were simply sent out to various cities in the Galilean area, uh, different towns, villages. There is no further statement about Jesus was also going to go to those places that the 12 disciples went. But here, he sent these 70 out into every city and place where he himself was about to go. These were about to go our these were to go out purposefully ahead of the Lord preparing the people for his soon arrival. We begin this very verse it says after these things well, after what things? Well, after chapter 9. And if you were with us as we've gone through chapter 9, you know that right now the Lord's focus, his direction, he is heading to Jerusalem. And the understanding as he heads to Jerusalem, Jesus knows that he's going to be arrested, he's going to be put on trial, he's going to be executed. He understands that, he knows that, and he's been sharing that. But now as they are heading from Galilee down toward Jerusalem, after these things, now Jesus is sending these 70, out ahead of him. And as he sends them out, he gives them those words of encouragement, warning, and instruction. First of all, there in verse 2, we find our Lord gives these 70 a word of encouragement. He says in verse 2, and he said to them, the harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And from what Jesus is telling him, we understand that the time of harvest was at hand. And that's great news. That's encouragement. That means that I'm going to send you out and there is a harvest to be had. It's not going to be just an exercise of futility. No, there is a harvest to be had. And what does he mean by this harvest? I mean, they lived in an agrarian society. We understand that. Was, 
were they walking along the road and Jesus happened to look over in the field and here's this wheat, it's all ready to be plucked. He says, hey guys, it's time for the harvest. Is, is that what he's talking about? Is he talking about a bowl of cereal or a loaf of bread? No, I don't think he's interested in that. He's talking about the harvest of souls. And he knows that as he sends these out, these men out in preparation that he himself was going to be there, that they would literally prime these people for his arrival because the harvest time, the harvest season was there. Jesus uses this idea of the harvest as a parable or as an illustration to get his point across. Now we know that in a worldly or an earthly or a temporal sense that that there are seasons of, of harvest. But you know, in the heavenly, in the eternal sense, it's always a season for harvest. There's always people somewhere that are ready to receive the Lord. But we also know that in individual lives, sometimes that preparation is a a process. Sometimes the, the seed is sown and it takes a while for it to come to the point of harvest. Paul understood that. Paul understood that some plant the seed, some water it, and then others come by and they're able to reap the harvest. But as Jesus sends these 70 out, he knows that there is a time, there is a season, and right now it is ready for the harvest. And he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest because the Lord of the harvest knows it's ready for the harvest, but we also need laborers. We need workers within the harvest. So by way of encouragement, yes, it is harvest season. And even as he sends these out, he knows that others need to go out. And again, I love what Warren Wiersbe says about this. He says, you need to note that it's the laborers, not the spectators, who pray for more laborers. He says that too many Christians are praying for somebody else to do a job that they themselves are unwilling to do. We sit and say, oh Lord, please send someone to save so-and-so. Oh Lord, please send someone to speak to so-and-so. Well, maybe the thing is, is you're the one that needs to go out. And as you go out, man, be praying that somebody else would join with the message, join with the word that you're sharing. He sends them out with words of encouragement, but he also gives them words of warning. In verse three, he says, go your way. Behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves. Now, I don't know about you, but suddenly I realized, okay, he's changing from encouragement now to warning. Uh, This is not a word of encouragement. You're going out as a lamb, and there are wolves all around you. In general, we understand that the gospel message is seldom ever received with great gladness. Primarily, people just don't want to know that they need a Savior. Primarily, most people don't want to know that they're a sinner and that they are lost and in great need of salvation. Primarily, they're against that. And the enemy of our souls, he's also the enemy of the gospel. And he's gonna, he, he will not stop at anything to keep the message or the messenger from going out. He will do anything and everything that he possibly can. And that opposition is so real, and it's very real for those that are actively involved in the kingdom's work. Vance Habner, another great uh, preacher of the faith from years gone by, he says that any man who takes Jesus Christ seriously becomes a target for the devil. Any man, or woman in this case, who takes their walk with Jesus Christ seriously, you will become a target for the devil. But he also goes to say, most church members do not give Satan enough trouble to arouse his opposition, though. 
That's the sad reality. I believe that it's true probably in just about any church, our church included. I'm not so naive to think that everyone in our fellowship is so on fire for the Lord that, man, you are within the sights of the enemy. But you know what? If you are on fire for the Lord, you will face much persecution. You will face many trials. And you say, well, man, the devil never bothers me. (laughs) Well, maybe you never bothered the devil. Maybe that's the problem there. Jesus wants to make it very clear to these 70 Hey, you're going to receive opposition when you share the message. I want, to, I want to make it very clear to you today. You're going to receive opposition whenever you share the truth of your faith with your loved ones, with your family, with your neighbors, with your coworkers, whoever it might be. When you open up to share the reality and the truth of your faith in Christ, the reality and the truth of salvation through faith in Christ, there's going to be opposition. But you're still to go out as lambs even with that opposition. Those who go out with the message of the hope of the gospel. Beloved, we are never, ever supposed to go out as stormtroopers, okay? And, and you've seen them. You've, you've seen them. You know, you better turn or you're going to burn, you know? Get right or you're going to get left. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of things. Uh, how many of you know of Westboro Baptist Church? The ones that show up uh, with all the signs that say, God hates fags, you're going to burn in hell, and all, all this guy. I, I want to grab those guys sometimes and say, who have you ever won to Christ with that kind of an attitude, with that kind of a mindset? We're to go out as lambs. We need to understand that, listen, the message is a message of hope. It's a message of peace. It's a message of salvation. And you might ask me, well, pastor, are we supposed to go out like, like milk toast and just kind of like wimpy little things? No, but you do need to go out with the hope of that message within you and flowing from you, speaking the truth in love. What does the word say? In John chapter three, verse 16, we all know that verse, very familiar. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would have everlasting life. But do you know John three seventeen? It says that God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world. He sent his son that the world through him might be saved. You see, the message that we bring, we don't need to bring a message of condemnation. People are condemned already. We need to bring a message of hope. We need to bring the reality and the truth that peace has come through Christ Jesus. That peace on earth that we speak about only at Christmas. No, that's the peace of Christ that is now available to men and women, to young people, as they turn their hearts and lives over to Christ. We understand outside of Christ, man, has absolutely no hope. We understand that outside of Christ, man is condemned to an eternity in hell. But what we need to come and do is bring to them a message of hope, a message of salvation. Paul understood that even as Paul writes to Timothy. He says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Beloved, That's the message that we ought to bring, the message of hope. Christ came, he gave his life so that we who are dead in our trespasses and sins might be able to receive life, life everlasting, and that's good news. And the enemy of our souls does not want you to proclaim that. 
He wants those who are lost to remain lost. And so there's going to be a continual opposition. But yet we need to continually be be able and being consistent in sharing that message with the gentleness of lambs, even though the enemy comes in like a wolf. So following his word of encouragement, hey, the harvest is plentiful. His word of warning, but be careful, you're going out as lambs. There's, there's wolves everywhere. He then gives them words of instruction, how they're supposed to carry themselves as they go out. And we find here very similar instructions that he gave the 12 back in uh, chapter 9, the beginning when he sent them out. Here in chapter 10, he gives very similar instructions. Verse 4, he says, carry neither money bag or knapsack nor sandals. Greet no one along the road, but whatever house you enter, first say, peace to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on it, and if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whatever house or whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you, and heal the sick there and say to them, The kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go out into its streets and say, the very dust of your city which clings to us, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, the kingdom of God has come near you. Just as he had shared with the 12 as he sent them out, he says, I want you to go out and I want you to depend upon God. You don't need to bring a lot of extra resources with you. Just depend upon God that he's going to provide for all of your needs according to his riches in glory. As you go out, you go into homes, you will be received by those who are men and people of peace. And only those who are willing to really receive this message of the kingdom are going to be able to receive them in peace. They were to go out into these villages and they weren't supposed to jump from house to house. They were enter into a home where they, again, were were received and they were to stay there for a period of time for the whole time that they were to be in that village rather than jumping from house to house and saying, you know what, I I like what I smell in that guy's barbecue a whole lot better than what you put on my table. I'm going to go over to this other house. You know, he says, just go in and if someone receives you, stay there and minister from that point to that village. Every Every time I read this, I think many times of years ago when we were in a particular denomination, it seemed like the pastors, that denomination, were in that kind of an attitude of jumping from house to house to house. Uh, you know, they'd start out at a small church, and then once you're kind of established at that small church, you'd start looking for the next bigger church. And then you see, you get into that next bigger church, and you start looking around for the next bigger church. And pretty soon you're just jumping from house to house to house. I kind of like the way Calvaries do it. You go out and you start one, you're stuck there for life. It's because nobody else will have you, but... Uh, No, the Lord has blessed us here. We've been here for 25 years, almost 25 years this coming March. The Lord calls you to a place. He says, just minister there. Just minister there. God will supply your needs. We understand that. We know that. As representatives of the Lord Jesus, these men were to go out as ambassadors. And as they go out into these villages and these homes, they come in a spirit of peace. And they were to heal the sick. 
and to say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. They were to come with the heart of Jesus, and yet Jesus knew that some would not receive their message. And just as you know yourself, some don't receive even the message of hope, the message of peace, the message of salvation. Some we, we speak to time and time again. We try to persuade them to for the things of God, and they still don't receive it. At this point in time, Jesus tells these here, if you come to that village and the village says, no, we don't want any of what you're speaking of. We reject these things. He says, don't become stressed out and don't even take it personal. And many times we do. You know, as we come and we try to share the gospel with someone and they reject the message, well, sometimes we, we get stressed out or we take it personal. Oh, I knew if I would have only remembered that one other verse, that would have won them. Or if I, I should have said such and such. You know what? It's not up to you. You are called to go and to share. The results are up to God. And so if they receive it, great. If they don't receive it, don't get stressed. Don't take it personal. Just continue to share the hope that's within you. That is, if there is a hope that's within you. You see, we are called to be ready both in season and out of season to give reason for that hope that's within us. We're to be able to share the truth of the hope of the gospel. And the problem is that there are many believers today that go to church Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday. They've never shared the hope of the gospel that's within them. They've never taken the opportunity to simply share with another human being the reason why they trust in Christ, the reason why they have this hope. My question at that point is, is, is there really and truly a hope that's within you? Is there really truly a relationship with Christ? Do you know how to, in simplicity, to share the reality of that hope with another human being? Someone who is so desperately lost, who's in the world that so desperately needs a Savior, that God has caused your lives to intersect at a point and at a time. Are you able to simply share who Christ is, why you have faith in him, why you trust him with your eternity, why you have relationship with him? Or is the better question, do you really and truly have a relationship with him? Has something ever really happened in your heart and life? that you're able to share. As these men went out, they knew that there were going to be some that says, nope, we don't want it. This is the very same thing that uh, happened to Paul and Barnabas as they tried to preach to the Jews in Antioch. And the word says that uh, after they shared with them the truth, many of the Gentiles received the hope of the gospel, but many of the Jews came against it. And as a matter of fact, the Jews began to stir up uh, opposition and persecution came against Paul and Barnabas, even to the point that they, were, uh, they, they kicked them out of the area. And Acts chapter 13 tells us that Paul Paul and Barnabas then, they literally shook the dust off their feet against them. And then they went on to Iconium. And that's what Jesus is telling these 70. He says, you know what? Just shake the very dust of that village off your sandals. That doesn't mean for you and I, we go and share the hope of the gospel and someone's not ready. That's fine. I'm done with you. And we move on. As I said before, there are seasons Sometimes it is planting a seed. Sometimes it's just watering the seed. Sometimes you, you need to just plow it up a little bit. Sometimes that, that ground is so hard, it just needs to be worked a little bit. 
Our call as believers is to share the hope of the gospel. I believe that each one of us, we're to be sent out like those 70. We're sent out to people's lives where Jesus wants to come to. Just like I'm going to be coming to those villages, I send you out first. We come in contact with people who will never come into a church door, who will never darken the door of, of a Bible study at all. And as a matter of fact, you've probably heard it said multiples of times. You are probably the only Bible that some people will ever read. Open our hearts, changes from within by the open word. We hope that today's edition of The Open Word has been a blessing to you. If you live in the Casa Grande, Arizona area, we want to invite you to join us for worship. The messages that you hear on The Open Word are produced from worship services at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. Maybe the teaching you heard today is exactly what you're looking for in a church. Then please join us. We meet Saturday evenings and twice on Sunday morning, as well as throughout the week. For more information about when we meet for worship, including driving directions, log on to theopenword.com and then follow the link to the church website. Now here's Tracy with some more important information about how you can help support The Open Word. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. And as with any ministry, there are expenses involved. Today's broadcast was professionally produced, and God has given us a vision to see The Open Word expand into other parts of the world. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to TheOpenWord.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Tracy. From all of us here with the production team, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God richly bless you.